Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Welcome back to 007 by 7 the podcast where we investigate the James Bond films seven minutes at a time. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at minutes 35 to 42. They begin with Bond expressing interest in Crab Key and end with him checking his briefcase for Prince. In between, Bond is nearly assassinated by the three blind men, visits Professor Dent's office, which sends the professor off to Crab Key for a meeting with a disembodied voice in the collection of a caged tarantula. And today we have two guests, not one, two guests uh, today. Uh, we got my old pals from uh, our podcast, ABC Devo. We got Joe Mazel and Tom Taylor. You also know Tom Taylor probably from Indiana Jones Minute because everybody listens to that show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how's old it? celebrity Tom. Yeah. Big Tom. Tell a friend. How, how are you guys doing? I, for myself, I'm doing great. I can't speak for Joe, but I assume he's doing basically all right. Well, you just spoke for Joe. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, you really said you did. couldn't, and then you did. I said, Joe, up. was that but, accurate? Know, <laughs> I can't complain. I'm doing all right. I think the really exciting thing is that uh, myself, big time Tom Taylor, and uh, Johnny Jingles uh, are doing a little something something uh, regarding Star Trek with uh, Pete the Retailer. Well, that's true. We are doing that. I don't know if that's already started. Uh, airing or not? Let's assume no. <laughs> but we are giving the way we did uh, Devo. We're giving Star Trek the original series the uh, alphabetical treatment. A B C D T O S is the name of the show. So if you're into Star Trek, you know we are because we mentioned Star Trek almost every episode of <laughs> Alien Minute or this because show. we're nerds. <laughs> yes. Somehow, for, for all the years that Mitch and I have been doing pod uh, podcasts, we've almost never gone an episode without mentioning Star Trek, and it's there's, it made a lot more sense when we were that. talking about Alien or Aliens. But uh, <laughs> might be true James, James Bond, but you never know. You never. You well, never we have know. already. I so. know we've done. We've found several inroads. Yeah. So. so, all right. Well, we come into this uh, group of minutes, this seven-minute block, um, still in the middle of our scene at Pussfellers Club uh, with with. Bond and Lighter and Quarrel. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we'll backtrack a little, Mitch, just a little bit to talk more about. Maybe we didn't talk as much about this conversation as we meant to the last episode. Yeah, so if you guys feel inclined to jump in, uh, you don't have to start with uh, Crab Key Interests Me, if there's anything else you would like to say about about this. Uh, Because we didn't even talk about the fact that Felix Leiter immediately jumps in talking about missile toppling and all that stuff. And we, we, we were, I was going to mention the fact that this is the second time they've talked about this missile toppling business. And in the book, they don't ever mention it until the very, very end when Dr. No's telling James Bond his plans. So they're definitely trying to, um, you know, make this more futuristic right off the bat, you know. 
Well, the book is really busy discussing uh, miscegenation between Chinese people and and, uh, people of African descent. Um, Because Ian Fleming, what a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, okay, so what year was the book was 57? Is that right, uh, Mitch? I'm trying to remember. 58, wasn't it? 58. 58. So that's a little early for me. It's a little early for moon launches and Cape Canaveral mm-hmm. and, and uh, missile toppling, maybe, even though they were able to mention it wouldn't be as prevalent in the uh, psyche of the general right. public. But now, yeah, you're right. The 60s, we got to bring it a little bit more up to date. And it's actually probably, they were probably like, hey, this is cool that this is even in the book at all. Now we can just push it up to the front <laughs> yeah. and bring it into the 60s a little bit more. Did you guys see this movie? I always ask, like, do you remember either your first James Bond movie or when you saw this film or any any James Bond anecdotes that you'd like to bring to the, our to our session today? I think the first James Bond movie I was aware of as a kid, I want to say it was like For Your Eyes Only or something. Like that era, like I was like, oh yeah, that's the one where they ski a lot and I see commercials for it. And, you know, then I was like Moonraker and stuff and that was cool. Or was Moonraker before that? Maybe Moonraker was before that. Moonraker was before Yeah, okay. I had like a cool book that uh, you would cut out, like, it was a book of like little paper models that you would make from Moonraker of like different like cool boats and spaceships and things and stuff, but I'd never seen the movie. The first movie I saw in the theater, the first James Bond movie I saw in the theater was depressingly enough... License to Kill, because I just it was I, I enjoyed James Bond. It was like on my radar, but it wasn't like oh I gotta go see the new James Bond movie right away. Like it was just sort of sort of something you caught on cable when it was on and stuff. Um, and I don't remember when I first saw Doctor No. Um, it was just sort of like in the mix somewhere. I think I probably had to seek it out specifically. It's like oh I'm gonna watch the first one. Like we all know had James it been Bond. a while. <laughs> since, had it been a while since you'd seen Doctor No? Like before you came in to do this, or did you just watch the seven minutes? I, no, no, no. I actually, like a year ago, I was like, I'm going to watch all the movies in order. <laughs> like I'd seen them all, but I was like, I'm going to sit down and actually watch them and like pay attention and yeah. like watch them all in order. And I had gotten most of the way through them and then they got them off of whatever Amazon or whatever I was watching them on. So that stalled me. But then, yeah, so I watched it again for this and uh, it had been about a year or something, but it was good to see again. Yeah. I have, um, I'm a James Bond maniac. But uh, to answer the questions, Mitch, specifically, first one I remember seeing in the theater was Moonraker, which was probably at a drive-in with my parents. I did see Dr. No very early on in life, like somewhere between six and eight. I saw it on, you know, an ABC Saturday night movie. Uh, And I was thinking about this when I was watching the entire film last night that like, wow, I think this really influenced my idea of what grownups act like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean like, Uh-oh. you know, a Scottish man shouting at people while, you know, sexually assaulting them. But I mean, like, oh, yeah, no, naturally you go to bars and hear Calypso and do the twist. And uh, you have a hotel room with mid-century furniture. Yeah, that sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because there's something about Dr. No where it's not as fancy, quote unquote, as other Bond films. Like the hotel rooms aren't as like, you know, lavish or palatial. Like, well, this one seems kind of simple. Like, oh, yeah, James, he has an air conditioner in his room and, uh, you know, a couple of chairs and vodka. Yeah, sounds good to me. I'm six. Let's get drunk. <laughs> hey, uh, what, was it for your eyes only had the amphibious lotus, right? No, that's Spy yeah. Love. Uh, no. That's Spy Love. No. Okay. 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 I was going to say, I always watch the, the lotus. For your eyes only. It, has the, yes. What's it that? has the thief protection that blows up in For Your Eyes Only. <laughs> The, 
But it's is it the Lotus? Lotus. It's like has a to escape Lotus, into Citron. A, yeah, it's a Lotus. Okay, so mm. that Lotus, both of those Lotus, plus the Lotus that appears at the beginning of the Great Muppet Caper, <laughs> those are like big memories. I don't know because I'm with you, Tom. Like I think that might have been my first James Bond. I've never actually talked about which is my first, mm-hmm. but I think one of those movies was, and I was mainly attracted to that car. And uh, had a Hot Wheel of it with a British, uh, with the Union Jack on the hood. (laughs) I remember that very well. So this time, though, when you're watching Dr. No, uh, Joe, was it it, uh, as you remembered, or was there anything new you spotted this time, or did... Um, yeah, I mean, Dr. No, like, like, as I said, I'm a Bond maniac, so I do kind of go through them every couple of years. Uh, the only thing I really noticed this time that I don't think I've ever noticed before was when Bond, uh, judos, uh, his chauffeur, I believe his name is yeah. Jones, mm. that uh, the makeup artist, to their credit, gave him bloody knuckle, gave Bond bloody knuckles. Oh, like, oh that's a nice <laughs> wow. touch. I don't think I, I don't think we mentioned that. I don't. I didn't notice it. So good. Blood, and there are, bloody Knuckles used to play that back in school. <laughs> and there guys. are things right. that like I, there are things that I thought of differently, like watching this. Like, wow, to you know, uh, broccoli and Saltzman's credit, they do a lot. They really want you to feel like it's in Jamaica, like in the uh, Pussfellow stockroom. It's all red stripe, you right. know. Like, mm-hmm. like there are little things. It's like, hey, everybody, we're not on. We're not on the continent of Europe. Yeah. No, it's got a good sense of place, that's for sure. There's no, uh, we talked about that a little bit in the last episode, how Bond kind of became this character born out of Jamaica for people in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. no doubt has a big part of the fact that, man, when you first saw James Bond on the screen, it was Jamaican. Yeah. You know, there's no two ways about it. He's a British man, but he's in Jamaica. And uh, yeah, I think they did a good job with him. And if you listen to like, you know, uh, like, old 60s Jamaican ska and blue beat and reggae, like, they cannot wait to mention James Bond in <laughs> yeah, some so way true. or form. Right. Like, I, I can't it. count the amount of bands that have done, like, basically covers of the James Bond theme from Jamaica, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s. Yeah. Well, equally cool is Jack Lord. I, I, are you guys, oh you're, uh, Tommy, you're a, you're a Hawaii <laughs> Say no you're a Hawaii more. 5.0 <laughs> fan, is that right? I, what's weird is, yes, I am, but it's been so long since I've watched it, and I probably couldn't name, like, ten episodes, but I know I've seen them all, and uh, my friend and I in high school used to watch them all. We just discovered it, and we're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, like, in Hawaii, and it's cool, and this guy's just, like, a weird, cool, like, just tough-as-nails cop, and he's on top of his game and everything. It was very cool to see him show up in this, in Dr. No, um, and I always lament that Jack Lord did not go on to be felix lighter at least a couple more times i know they would have had to replace him eventually mm. with new bonds and everything but uh it's a little frustrating that they didn't keep him on yeah he gets decidedly but, less cool in in some yeah. of these movies that like goldfinger he's like this old guy and then like he's kind of cool in thunderball but then he's like not cool again in diamonds are forever and <laughs> yeah and i wonder like if, if if jack lord had stuck around like yeah like you mentioned goldfinger would would he have been a very different felix lighter and if he hadn't been, I would. I don't want to be. I don't want to see Jack Lord like. Well, James has got this covered. <laughs> Let's go get a drink. <laughs> I mean, I would wonder. I know the '60s were a different time than now, but I would wonder if Jack Lord was uh, Felix Leiter in two or three movies, if we wouldn't have had a Felix Leiter movie at some point. Oh, that would have been, awesome. been a strong enough character that maybe they would have. There would have been some demand for that. Uh, I don't know. You know that would happen now. Yeah. You know, like in the the mm-hmm. state of things uh, in the movie industry now. But back then, maybe they didn't think about Sadly, it. Sadly, I've been waiting for that, but that hasn't happened with you know no. Jeff. But it ain't happening. 
Oh, that would be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can we just say that Jack Lord was relocated <laughs> to Hawaii and became a cop and left the CIA and <laughs> took on a new name? Yeah, I did I did have one question about Felix too. So he's the one that brings up the missile toppling, Mitch, like you said. Do you think he knew about it as effortlessly when his boss talked, asked him about it as Bond did? <laughs> Do you think he was like, oh, it was missile toppling, uh, and then had to pretend like he didn't know <laughs> a little bit? Just <laughs> I don't know, but I know that he's way ahead of he James is. Bond because he seems to already know they got their sights on Dr. No, and I think Bond is playing catch-up during this, mm, during this sure. drinking bout, you know, because it is ultimately Leiter who says his name. and Yeah. You know, it feels a little bit like he's sort of, you know, guiding Bond uh, to the target. I will say, too, I get a little reading of that from Connery's performance. There's a strange moment where Quarrel says something about rocks and so on, and it cuts to Connery, and his eyes glaze over. (laughs) Am I wrong (laughs) thinking about that? He kind of stares ahead. He's like... This place starts to interest me. It's the weirdest performance, the weirdest take to make. It's almost like he's I mean, being sarcastic because he's responding to Coral going, oh, there were rocks and water and sand. He's like, oh, this sounds very interesting, Coral. Tell me more about this crab key. Fascinating. Is there also foliage there? Yeah, you got any yeah. plants, any fish maybe? <laughs> Have you guys discussed how, for lack of a better word, copy uh, Connery is in Dr. No? Yeah, he's almost like a detective or something, or some smart guy who finds yeah. stuff out. Yeah. We've talked about how yes, he's not that, the that best would be the de- definition <laughs> right. of, of, of detection, Tom. But that does seem to be part but of his job some, this but time. Like, there's no, you know, as Connery would, like, you know, kind of get more comfortable in the role, he's sort of, you know, he's a lot more charming to the people he meets. In this film, it's like, what do you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty gruff at the table. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's kind of... He's not very nice to quarrel. He seems to be sort of, you know, what did you find out? I want to yeah. know now. So, yeah, well, remember, true. I mean, this is the movie, not the book, but in the book, he's he's begrudging this job. He's not into this job. He thinks right. it's a, he thinks it's a shit job. And I don't know if Connery's kind of playing that up. It's like in other Bond adventures, he enjoys where he go, where he's going, enjoys himself a little bit. And he feels like uh, top of the world i'm james bond i'm the only one that could do this job and this one it's supposed to be that uh m has sent him on a on a errand you know yeah like on paper it's very boring it's like oh we can't get in touch with this guy go find out what happened like all right somebody's not doing his job i'll do it for him and find out what happened boring it's so hard to work for m he sends me to tropical paradise what a (laughs) a dick whiner But when you think about all the other Connery movies, it does occur to me just right now that I'm trying to think of what's the one where he seems to actually enjoy his <laughs> yeah. job. And I'm not sure there's maybe any right. of them, except maybe Never Say Never Again because mm. it's, it's a paycheck. <laughs> I don't know. but like, Oh, you mean Connery enjoying it or Bond enjoying it? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. Right. Uh, either one. I mean... Roger Moore's James Bond really seems to like his yeah. line of work. You know, he likes doing all this stuff. And I don't know whether Connery ever seems to really like. Yeah, I think does. he's enjoying it. Okay. I think the first two sequences of Goldfinger, he seems like he's enjoying himself. I think he mm-hmm. he's having fun with the bird on his head, blowing up the <laughs> Who wouldn't? blowing up the building and then and then killing right. the girl to save himself and all those things are very enjoyable for him. <laughs> um, killing a man with a toaster or whatever it was, yeah. the radio. Uh, 
But you might be right, Mitch. You know, I, I'm thinking more not so much as, oh, I'm having fun as I'm the man. You know, he, he mm-hmm. when he's on these missions, he knows that he's the the supposed to be the one man that can do the job. Where here it's supposed to be, I should be doing something more important than this. Mm-hmm. Once he figures out how important it is, that goes away. But, you know, right, Mitch? I mean, don't you? I mean, the book says that clearly, that when M sends him on the mission. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking more about the movie. You know, it's like it's, it's kind of probably a good thing that he's not as whiny as he is yeah. in all the books. But still, <laughs> I don't know how much. I just don't know how much Connery really liked. I mean, obviously he perks up when right. girls show up. It is. But, it uh, kind of goes to the idea that a lot of people call him out on throughout the movies, like that he's just like this bitter, wounded, alcoholic, womanizing, empty guy with this amazing so job. So he's cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention he has a tie? He's got a tie and a cool car. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of it, 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 it. He yeah. A lot of the Connery movies sort of fit into that mold you could see him as like i'm doing this because it's my job i guess you know yes i get to have sex with a lot of women that's fun i get to eat some caviar but you know like he's he's you know somebody at one point says like oh how many do those martinis silence the the voices of all the people you've killed or whatever and you do get a kind of sense of him like that like just kind of like this broken weird stunted guy who uh who is just kind of walking through life even though his life is kind of amazing yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of yeah, strange. No, I mean, if you want to break it down to GoldenEye quotes, then sure. But you watch <laughs> Connery in Thunderball, he's having the time of his life. <laughs> like, yeah. He's literally just like, hey, I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's true. Like, that is true. In Thunderball, he's he really is kind of on top of everything because mm-hmm. he's kind of he seems tired and you only live twice. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there is something about Thunderball that he does seem to be swinging it pretty, <laughs> pretty seriously. It's back in the warm weather, too. Yeah. yeah. Connery probably liked being in the warm weather. Wait, you think he liked shooting in the Caribbean for like three months? I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he. it was so funny. I talked to, there was one of my friends who was working on that, that movie that Connery did uh, in the, I think it was in the early 90s, and I can't even remember who was in it. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne was in it with him. Oh, Just Cause? Yeah, Just Cause. Mm-hmm. And, With uh, Blair Underwood. And Blair Underwood. And that was the point where apparently he was so he was so involved with um, tax dodges <laughs> and how long he could be in certain places that he they would have to stop filming while he'd have to go live yeah. somewhere for two weeks. Oh, my God. So he could qualify, and then he'd come <laughs> back, back to set. Because yeah. he had houses in Spain and in one in the Bahamas and wow. then one in... Yeah, so he was... Robert Shaw had the same thing. He had, Robert <laughs> Shaw had to move around a lot. I think that there was a scheduling problem on Jaws, as a matter of fact, because of I've got to get out of I've got to get out of here before the taxes hit me. And <laughs> Wait a um, minute, are you saying he didn't do Force Ten from Navarone as you know because of artistic interests? No. I don't. I, I can't. Imagine. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that dream trip to Yugoslavia that all everybody been <laughs> hoping for. Is it the Gracie? No, well, the I wild mean. geese speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, do we do we move to the the? Shall we leave the club and move move on? Well, we should just make sure to say that as we leave the club, we get the you know Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio pointing at the TV and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood moment where the name of the movie is said, <laughs> and it's the button on the scene. Yeah. You know, uh, we don't know anything about him except his name, Doctor No. Dun, dun, dun. Like it's almost that. <laughs> That's almost the reason. Yeah, it does have a dun, dun, dun kind of feel to it. So Yeah, there's a weird I, I, uptick in it, isn't it. Yeah. I will say, and I don't know if this was mentioned in your last episode, but 
I love that the background to Sean Connery is a bunch of people just doing the twist. <laughs> doing skanking. Yeah. Some kind of zombie They're not even dance. skanking. They are clearly doing the twist. That one guy's like, doing some kind of zombie. I would call that dance the zombie. There's one, the one point guy where he's rolling oh, his eyes back his, in his ro- head. His eyes are rolled like, back and he's just shaking. <laughs> yeah, just shaking. Yeah. yeah he's like been possessed by the gods. Kinda, they're all kind of blurry. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, like why aren't Byron Lee and the Dragon Airs playing right now? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, that is the life. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we move back to the hotel. Bond's checking back into the room for a little bit. Um, but outside, we get the return of the three blind mice, uh, both in song and in uh, actual characters. Yeah. I noticed that this time. The song does, they do this minor keyed version of, of the three blind mice song. It's, it's, it's so very weird. weird. It's very ominously played. And, and it almost like if you added the lyrics, it's hard for my... In my mind, it's hard not to add the lyrics to it, so it's like going, three blind mice, three blind mice. It's like getting very <laughs> tense, these three blind mice. And um, we saw them. They do want to show the cat the attitude of three blind mice. I guess so. <laughs> uh, we saw them be, they were pretty, uh, pretty efficient. Good, as- efficient assassins earlier mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, twice, we see them very. Uh, easily take care of their situation and escape and um, unseen. And then this is, they're just bumbling idiots here, yeah. kind of. It doesn't play well, the same I mean, way at John, all. John, a car pulls up in front of them. <laughs> Who could have seen that sure, coming? I, I mean, terrifying. You know, like, yeah, you can kill, like, Strainways. In a, like, Strainways, he's in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The d- secretary, she's in an office. That's easy. <laughs> but you can't predict, like, a car zooming by? Come on. You know why, uh, yeah, you know why Bond is alive right now? <laughs> Blind luck. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So, thank you. Well done. Well Where's played, my sir. ten bucks? Well played. <laughs> Later. And the, man, Later. that concierge wants to eat Bond for breakfast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute. Yeah. But just as a weird note, Peter Hunt apparently said they didn't give him the coverage he needed for the a car flash. Mm-hmm going across the guys and so he had to go to the lab and do an optical oh, on the film to try to sell the gag you wow. know? which well i i was wondering about that like i didn't know that fact but I, every time i watched these minutes i would be like repo man like that would be the thought when that <laughs> light passes i i think it's the, almost the same yeah. effect as when they open the trunk and repo man yeah i keep exp- it is it's yeah, an optical right. printing trick so yeah. i just kept expecting these guys to just like uh, be smoldering boots when the when the <laughs> car goes by but and then they just give up i mean they yeah. give up really well fast. he's inside they're, so i guess yeah. so. i mean they're done and we never see them again also you know they're seeing sp- those headlights no, just, we do do we they are the guys driving the hearse in the car chase. You know, oh my gosh! Later. That's them. Oh, so they. That's what I always again. assumed. I had no. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, that. but okay. Well, well, that's cool. I can't wait to look forward to that. Yeah, when we get Thank there, Joe, we'll we'll make sure to shout out to you that you caught that when we get there. <laughs> yeah, when we're talking, or you know, I feel really stupid. Burn me in effigy if I'm wrong, but well, I always assumed it. Was. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. makes yeah. sense, yeah. doesn't it? Pay them off. You got to pay them off somewhere. Yeah. So we. um so we do go into the um, lobby here, or wait? Oh no, this is the, no, uh, the not guy's yet. office. Right. The, uh, this sorry, is what's sorry, so sorry. funny. We're, it's so weird. You'd think that's the obligatory thing you would think because we did see him set his, you know, booby traps right, in his right. room and all that mm-hmm. stuff. No, nope, none of that. <laughs> We're gonna go right the next day to mm. Dent's uh, office. 
So we're sorry for hold... jumping the gun about the concierge. Right. <laughs> no, no. But it's, it's, it's but it's it is what you would logically kind of expect yeah. because so it's a we get this we get a payoff later on that's pretty far from the setup yeah. and if I mean it, you know you, if you, it's, you don't think about it it's not a big deal but if mm-hmm. you kind of look at it but like, like I watched the movie so every time he goes out he does this He's, he puts the I guess so because like I watched the whole movie you know a couple nights ago and then I watched these minutes for this and I was like wait a minute did did I get the wrong minutes? Because I it, it, exactly it goes from him checking into the hotel to not being at the hotel and doing the thing. And you, yeah, you're like, oh my god, does he do the hair thing every night? And like that's that's <laughs> is it possible? You must. That, we just don't see it tonight. Is it possible that's that it was supposed hair. to go from the from him, you know, getting out of the taxi to going to his room, and for some reason they juggled maybe. those scenes for you know to get him to, yep. you know, I forget yeah, the guy's name, maybe. but yeah, I don't know. Because then we're gonna because this way we only have to go back to the hotel twice yeah you know because it's like you know we're getting ahead of ourselves but in the minutes to come you know we're at the hotel we do the hair thing then we do the spider so we're all there versus like do it go back do it yeah all that's true yeah could be is there is there a cut of this film where he walks in and finds the fingerprint and everything because oh. I, I think that's curious because if you walk – so if he walks in now and we go through the whole rigmarole of him going through the lobby, he goes in, he checks the hair, he checks the – the um Right. What does that do for us? Because that's kind of he interesting. Would already... Well, he would know it's somebody. Yeah. He would know somebody is. So wouldn't that maybe be more suspenseful than knowing who it is? I don't know. Maybe that adds to the mystery. I don't know. I think there's a cut there that might be better or is good. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is the thought. I hadn't had that thought. I was, I, I was seriously, my head was jumbled up enough that I really did remember it as being him yeah, walking no, into the too. lobby here. Well, it's so bizarre. You know, the thing that's going to be interesting is as we go through these other films is whether, and I don't know whether this is a function of not being a minute podcast because we're doing seven minutes. You know, this is like a whole week <laughs> for Tom. I mean, geez, a week and Already a half. exhausted. This movie is hard to keep everything in, in place. Mm. Like, you know, A doesn't lead to B to lead as as clearly in this movie. And I wonder when you get to the later films whether they're easier to keep straight. Because I've gotten confused in a couple of instances with particularly this segment of, you know, before we get out to Crab Key of the order of the events that happen. Yeah. There is a thing about Dr. No. And I've, with a, a friend of mine who's, you know, a big genre film fan, I've made references to this, to Dr. No as its kind of entity where... And I don't know really even how to qualify it, but there's something about Dr. No that uh, feels like the direction is, and now we're in the next scene. (laughs) You know, like, Shaft in Africa has a kind of similar feel to it, and I love Shaft in Africa. But, like, where it feels like, you know, the screenwriter, the the screenwriters, the editors, uh, you know, the directors do their job in, you know, kind of having it make sense. But it doesn't. But it kind of feels like okay. You can forget all that other stuff. And now the three blind mice killers are after Bond. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. you know. And, and now he's flirting with Lester Dent's secretary. You know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, there's something about the film that feels like every scene is to get you to the next scene, as opposed to give you a sort of smooth narrative. And I'm thinking too about the hotel yeah. stuff. His his room and like the little like I'm. Maybe I'm forgetting. Does does the the hair on the on the closet and the fingerprints on the thing does that lead anywhere? That like he sort of knew that was going to happen. That people were going to mess with his room. Yeah. But then finding out that somebody did mess with his room, I don't know if anything really comes from that. 
Well, he it you know it follows. He he's suspicious of his vodka, and he's and then he mm-hmm. finds a spider in his bed that night. So you know it's kind of all it's yeah all yeah mushed up now yeah. in one in one little lump. Whereas before it might have been straight. Yeah, you might have yeah. had the cut where it was. Hey, here's out. a moment. Hmm, a fingerprint. Another scene, another <laughs> yeah. scene. Here's another. Yeah, it might but he's have already expected that. Might add it to your narrative flow, Joe. But like, he's expecting fingerprints mm-hmm. from the beginning. That's why he's doing all that stuff. So it's like, you kind of like if there weren't any yeah. fingerprints, that'd be concerning. That'd be like, wait, wait a minute, I'm not well, doing my he's job. He's being, right. he's being precautious. I mean, I'm sure there's many times James Bond has stayed in a hotel room, talcum powdered his suitcase, <laughs> yeah. and not found a fingerprint. So have we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, you just have to be precautious. That's part of his job. But in this case, it's like, okay, now I've confirmed. Somebody's checking on, uh, checking up on me. Yeah, and yeah. when we get it at the end of the seven minutes, we know, uh, yeah, who it is. Where I think it could have been valuable to have like one more little bit of mystery. Oh wait, who would be in his room? We mm-hmm. haven't seen. We just saw some guys try to kill him. Those aren't right. the guys that were looking at his suitcase. They just want to kill him. You know, yeah, yeah. Who's the one that's actually interested in what he knows? You yeah. know, I don't know. I well, think to that Joe's point, to, to Joe's mystery. sort of point of like, you know, here's a scene and here's a scene and then here's a scene. It feels a little bit, and this is true about a lot of James Bond movies, but it seems like if you weren't trying to make a cool spy movie, this story would take about half an hour or something. And like, you know, <laughs> but you have like these scenes of like, oh my gosh, he's got this tricky thing where he puts a hair on the on the door, you know, and he's got this tricky thing where he does the talk. What a spot. What a, he's got all sorts of tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> you know, there's like a lot of, st- and, you know, just the elaborate ways that people try to kill him and stuff, you know, like the three blind mice guys, they could have easily snuck into his room, you know, and, and shot him or something yeah. or shot him through the window or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's not, there's not always a logical need to go to different scenes, except that there are cool scenes in the movie that you have to get to. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's true of James Bond movies. Yeah. in general to a certain extent i mean for better or worse and and some movies do it better some movies think more about their transitions and think more about the narrative <laughs> placement of, of different beats but mm. yeah this one i mean they're finding their way with well, this one of the big things we're talking about as we do this show this is them finding their way yeah this is a, a, a totally new thing for everybody involved so um they do a pretty good job mm-hmm. but but i think we're right to nitpick it a little bit too yeah well they're doing something right we're fans yeah. So we so Bond goes to Dent's office the next day, and um, we got a Columbo moment coming up. Yeah. John, I thought <laughs> of you talking about Columbo. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you talk about that. But it, it this is a Ken Adams set. This is one of the first modern sets that we have in the movie that actually has really. I mean, the radio room kind of, but these are really beautiful, sleek kind of mid-century modern lines yeah. in this in this set that he built. And these sets apparently were. He had four sound stages at Pinewood, apparently, and they were they would go in, they would shoot, and they would rip the set down, and they would move on. There were, oh, there wow. were like eight sets built for these little one-shot deals where they'd go in, do the scene, and then by the as they were leaving to go moving on, these sets were coming down and new ones were going on. So um, it's a nice set, and like typical James Bond movie, I think we only really see it once, you know, which is their becomes their um, mantra for their films is they don't like going back to a set more than once because mm-hmm. they think that they, they keep it keeps it fresh and the production values keep coming if you don't have to revisit yeah. a set. I did want to uh, mention the actor uh, here that plays the secretary, that plays Dent's secretary. Uh, the actress's name is Bettine LeBeau or Bettina LeBeau. She went by both names. And the reason, main reason I wanted to give her a shout-out is because... Uh, She's a Belgian actress. She was a Jewish, mm-hmm. a Holocaust survivor Whoa. who escaped from a camp 
at age 12 on her own and was hidden by a family in France for a period of time until she was able to make her way to England where she uh, went to college and became an actress and model. Anyway, I just want I read that story. I was like, oh, wow. she should get a shout out for that. I bet not Definitely. enough people know yeah, that about man. this woman with, with three lines in a James, the first James Bond. Movie. <laughs> but have they, so John, did you, did it look to you like they had fixed her eyes too, like everybody yes. else? Yes. She's yet another Chinese woman. Uh, am I missing yeah. something? What is that the, all about? There's a, this movie is yellow face is crazy. There's, there's a good amount of yellow face in this movie, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't be- believe is there there's one. Is something about Jamaica that I don't know? Like what? No. <laughs> or is it just a Doctor No <laughs> thing? Is, is it like Doctor No people? All, it's or? a Doctor. It's a Doctor okay. No thing. Really. Okay. It's it's yeah. the there weird is, well, Fleming idea that he had that's there, embarrassing. That it's is weird. There is, there at least was a lot of. Uh, I'm assuming Chinese. There was a lot of Asian settlement in Jamaica. Oh okay. Um, I mean, if you look at Byron Lee and the Dragonaires, Byron Lee is an Asian man. Right. Um, I wish that I band was also pushed as Byron Lee and his all Chinese band. They were oh, that. Wow. T- yes. They had a second name mm. too. Uh, but you know, and I can't remember. Oh man. Uh, okay. So like, uh, like one of the big producers in Jamaica was of Asian descent. Uh, Prince Buster hated him so much that who you know prince buster produced his own uh, songs that he wrote the diss track that was called and forgive me blackhead chinaman hmm. um yeah there there was a lot there was maybe still is a large i believe chinese population in jamaica that kind of integrated pretty well in the society one of the kind of things i sort of like about dr no well, i do like about dr no is that they do it's not just, and you know, forgive the crude terminology. It's not just we're in Jamaica. Here's black guys, like there are. You know, they, they do show the Asian population. They do show, you know, various skin tones in terms of like, uh, you know, in, in terms of Caribbean people. Like there is, and I don't think it's you know, it's certainly not, you know, it's not great because there are a lot of problems a la quarrel, but they try, you know, like. They show you, they do in as best as they can show you an accurate representation of Jamaican culture mm-hmm. from the position of white guys who are superior to everything. <laughs> right. you know? And there, yeah. therein lies yeah. the flaw, but there's still, there's, there's at least some intellectual, th- there's at least some thought going behind, going to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I was going off of the fact that Fleming made a point to say it was very rare to see a black Asian person in Jamaica and then went so far as to make up his own racial terminology for it. So John, your Columbo moment. (laughs) Sure. You have to speak to, right? Well, I was going to say one other thing before we get to that moment. Um, We get the, we get the obligatory, I guess it's kind of a Columbo moment too. Shows up at the office, talks to a secretary. Is he in? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. Let me get him on the phone. Now what we would have gotten here. I, I'm convinced is tell him I'm in a meeting, except he walks to the damn door. And this kind of is indicative of yeah. Dent's character that he's not really cut out for this. Dude. That he he's just not very good at any no. of this. That he no. he just happens to come out the door because he's not happy to see Bond. When he comes out that door, he looks and goes, "Oh, Mr. Bond." Ugh. And it, it would have definitely been a James Bond is here to see you. Tell him I'm in a meeting. Right. He does not want to talk to James Bond. So I just thought that was funny is that, of course, this <laughs> idiot comes out the door right at the moment he doesn't want to. And then you get the uh, begrudging, some more Columbo-esque stuff. 
the begrudging interrogation. One guy's interrogating the other, and he's like, the other guy's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll sure I'll cooperate with you. Uh, what do yeah. you need to know? And then one momentary slip up. Now I, I read it as a slip up uh, when he says, "Oh, definitely not." That that isn't really. He doesn't really say that because it's ge- geologically impossible, right? Like when he says geologically right. impossible, that's to cover up for the fact that he was too. He he protests yeah. too much. Key, what's that? Yeah, I've never yeah, heard of it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so again, uh, this whole scene does kind of play out like a little bit of a clump. Somebody, there's a little slip up and. Uh, of course, Connery doesn't take like five minutes to say goodbye. <laughs> doesn't ask him how much <laughs> no, his shoes cost. He does say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Right. He does say goodbye and turn oh, around. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Connery definitely would have said something about, you know, Columbo definitely would have talked about the painting behind the section. Oh, yeah. this painting. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> Where do you get a painting like, like this? <laughs> my, my brother-in-law, George, just, he was really into this modern art. We're all I'm real not proud. that into it. But just, you, you're right, Mitch, though. We do get the moment where it's a, oh, just one more thing moment. Yeah. Again, done much more true. briefly than yeah. Peter Falk would have done it. But And yeah. I feel like uh, had this been Columbo, I think Dent would have been a much better liar. We would have had fewer like, <laughs> oh, I don't. Well, uh, I think my mom's calling me. Bye. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't Dent have been the guy who knows too much but not wouldn't have been the killer? And the doctor knows the guy That's that true. tells him what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, just relax and to do this right. like I'm telling and you to. And then he gets bumped off. And then, right. yeah, and then the bodies yeah. pile up. Well, that's almost exactly what happened. It kind of is. Right? Because he, he, he goes running off to the guy who's he the does. real bad guy who's going to try to, to um, you know, help him along yeah. in what needs Which to be Which is real. I mean, like, he, Dent knows exactly what he's supposed to do. And it's not run to Dr. No and talk to him and chat him up and stuff. He's supposed, like, Dr. No wants Bond dead. They've tried and failed a few times. So why, like, what new information does he feel like he has to rush to Doctor No to get to him? This is a question. This is my question. This well. mm. yeah. I have a <laughs> lot of questions about this whole next scene. Yeah, because I don't I, know. I don't know. Did he just? Did he just scramble to the boat, or did he call ahead? Yeah, because they say he called well, ahead. No, he, he scrambled. He, no, he calls ahead from the boat. Right, right. So, he, so it yep. was because he, he radioed from the boat. Except I thought. Though in other times I've watched this movie, I thought he just told the guard he radioed ahead so that the guard would let him pass. Because oh, I'm like, when did he radio well, ahead? And then is he that crafty? I don't then know. If he radioed ahead, why go? He, he had to have ra- because he's got to get the spider. <laughs> That's right, yeah. not. He doesn't know about the spider. <laughs> but he okay, must have okay. radioed ahead, otherwise Doctor No wouldn't okay, have you- had a nice spider waiting for him. <laughs> See, That's All right, confusing. a couple of things. Okay, Joe's going to okay, figure this out. Okay, a couple so. of things. Number one. Back, uh, backslide in. Leslie Kong was the uh, huge uh, Chinese Jamaican okay, producer okay. of uh, reggae hits, who produced, among other things, the first uh, Bob Marley songs and the first Jimmy Cliff songs. So, and Desmond Decker's like better part of his career. Okay. So there's that. Second of all, oh man, if I ever front a uh, evil crime syndicate, I want Doctor Knows people. <laughs> they seem they're not automatons. They're like. They seem like perfectly work, good working class, like soldiers of doom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like just even the little things, like, well, you know, that's, that's not the rules. And you know, when Dent gets off the boat, like I called ahead. Like, <laughs> all right, well, you can keep going. <laughs> like they're, <laughs> like they seem to be so good at their jobs. Like they are <laughs> professionals. They are like, 
you know, they are the subcontractors you need if you want to put another level on your home. Like, I love these guys. <laughs> now, as for as for continuity, I assumed Lester Dent freaks the hell out, drives to the dock, gets on the boat. The shipman, another great Dr. No Soldier, says, hey, man, this is not the rules. He's like, hey, I'll take responsibility. Well, you better take responsibility. <laughs> you better know what you're uh, doing. And I, <laughs> and I assume he called from the boat. To yeah. uh, Crab Key. So he called from the boat to Crab Key. So Dr. No mm-hmm. is, do, not Dr. No, just somebody. Because Dr. No would have said, my one major rule is don't come here. Turn yeah. the boat around. Right? So he must have called somebody else who then told Dr. No, he's coming. Dr. No's like, oh, I said that's the one thing you don't do. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, well, anyway, Dr. If, no if say, he's... call him back, tell him to turn <laughs> right. around, please well, kill James Bond. That's all I need to know. I think he gets on the boat. I think he gets on the boat, and they and if he does radio, he radios from the boat or the guy yeah. on the boat who says, "Shit, I'm not supposed to be taking right. you here." Rats him out on the way in route, and he says, "You know, one way or the other." I think <laughs> I think that he says, "I'm radioing ahead okay. to tell the doctor you're coming." I think he. I think he. I think Dent radios ahead because and Doctor No gets the message he's coming, and Doctor No Doctor No basically says. Well, I guess if he's coming here, we can give him the spider. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's one thing that work. can come out of this. Yes, shooting the man, um, yeah. walking into his uh, room while he's sleeping <laughs> and just shooting him in the bed. Yeah, that's probably not going to work. So we should get, give him the big spider. Yeah. <laughs> so put that in the room. Uh, you know the room. Room three. Put it in there. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I I've know got five else. spiders. We can try the spider five times. But if it doesn't work, then we got pythons. <laughs> right. We got that fake dragon. We'll get him. Well, Dr. No is also, he loves riding Dent. Like, <laughs> it's not just like, hey, you messed up. It's like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, no, they didn't kill him. You didn't kill him. <laughs> it's very clear that that yeah. like, Dent is low on Dr. No's hep list. He's not happy. Yeah. It's kind of fun that the only other thing I know Dent from, the actor, is um, Dial M for Murder, where he's almost in the same situation. Hmm. Where a guy is like, you know, berating him and framing him into uh, doing a murder for him. Yeah. It's like, you need to well, go kill Tom, this person. May I, may I recommend the Hammer film, Curse of the Werewolf, with uh, yeah, Oliver he's Reed. really oh. good in that. Where uh, he plays a demented marquee who uh, causes a lot of problems for the first 20 minutes of a weirdly structured film. <laughs> you know, Joe, I'm going to call you out um, your, your nerd cred is really showing because uh, Dent to my knowledge does not have a first name although you've referred to him as Lester Ooh. Dent twice who we know Lester Dent is the 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 real name of the Doc Savage author yes oh my God. So I, I might have made that that's that's that association right now. <laughs> as a man of bronze myself <laughs> I feel like this was a Columbo moment right here. I think Mitch just Columbo <laughs> Joe into admitting that he's a nerd. Just one more thing, Basil. Uh... <laughs> yes. Anyway, back to uh, back okay. to Professor Dan. Well, should we talk about this room? Because I again, I want to. We have. I want to talk about not only we how beautiful to. of a set this is, Ken and Adam. It's spare. Oh yeah, but no, beautiful, amazing. beautifully lit. Mm-hmm. But what the hell is it? Like, this is the this is well, the interrogation room. Or this is the <laughs> is it a timeout room? Because it reminds me of a timeout room. The intimidation room. What it is is this is the 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 great James Bond moment of the yeah. movie in the sense that this is what 
James Bond is going to become. It's going to mm-hmm. become this fantasy. And this is the fantasy moment of of the film. And uh, he's, Ken Adam had like 450 pounds to build this <laughs> set with. He was out of money. Wow. And so he was like, well, we can do two walls, and I'll put this circle thing on the top. We'll never show the back half of the room. Mm-hmm. And Ted Moore can light it so we make a kind of spider web on the wall. And it's really amazing because it's like just like Doctor Strangelove, like you know the old trick if they the the nerdy trick where if you cover up the, the round light in the war room set, it's just a big old room. Yeah. But that round light just makes that whole mm-hmm. room kind of come to life. And it's the same with this. If you cover up that that round grate on the ceiling, it's just like two mm-hmm. walls. And some marble, yeah. fake marble, floor. and a ch- and but a chair from the from the antique store. I mean, <laughs> and a dinky right. chair, yeah. a little dinky chair. He, he they made a point out of like, yeah. like super stylized the chair, and um, yeah, yeah probably got it from Bond's apartment. Or, or it's like Doctor knows from his dining room. Say, well, we don't, we never need five chairs at the table. Take that yeah. one into I the never room. Use that one. Take the dinky one and put it <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it is really like this moment where the movie. Just I don't know. Like it just becomes this other yeah. thing. Is it the when they have that ex, uh, establishing shot from above of the you know there's the weird base that juts out into the water. Yeah. And in the middle there's this big gray round thing with a thing on top. Is that what this room is? It almost looks no, like I it. Don't think so. I don't think so either. But I want it to be because it's gray, it's gray yeah. and it's kind of the same shape sort of. And it's got that hole in the top. Or it looks like there's a hole in the top that could be that great. But. Uh, well, you know, know it's inside of the main structure because when he first walks in the room, the hallway yeah. has the same like kind of rusted, uh, mm-hmm. corrugated metal uh, as they. So nice job there. He probably got with that 450 pounds. He probably got like 10 square foot of corrugated <laughs> metal and placed it right outside the door, just enough that the camera wouldn't see the edges of it. Yeah. Well, we sort of just skipped that it. overhead shot that Tom's talking about. You know that, that, oh, yeah, that yeah. model shot of the building of the whole uh, the complex. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. apparently, they went to shoot that in the studio tank, and and Terrence Young was like. It, it needs boats, and so he sent somebody out to a toy store to find a couple of toy boats to put in the water. <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> to, I know it does, but it matches at least the like the long reel shots with real boats, and so yeah, um, it's yeah. So that's a that's the other thing I guess that makes it a James Bond movie. We have our first model, and you know what's a James Bond movie without a model? It's going to blow up eventually. Yeah, yeah. You got now here's models, and you got models always in James right. Bond. Movies. Mm, right. Is that what a Borax mine really looks like? Or of course, a box. Or... A, it, it is. It is a. It's a bauxite mine. Yeah, <laughs> bauxite. Bauxite. Sorry, and, sorry. and it and it's a real one. I mean, they did find that. Oh, wow. uh, not uh, the model shot, but then the long big shots where he's yeah. walking through was the actual a, was a working location. bauxite mine, yeah. and it's still there apparently in Jamaica. You can. Oh wow! You can go see it if it you did want. not explode. Let's go, guys. <laughs> Field trip. <laughs> Better a bauxite mine Lunch. than a back than a bird guano factory from the book. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so then we get the spider. So Dr. No gives Dent a spider. We've yeah. already talked about that a little bit. But it's an interesting moment because he acts the hell out of picking that spider up. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Anthony Dawson does not want to go anywhere near that kit spider cage. <laughs> and I assume it's a real spider, right? It's got to be. It's moving around pretty realistically in there. So uh, that would be a lot of trouble to go through to have it, an animatronic spider in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think they had that yet. So, yeah, it's a real spider. It's probably just like a, a glass case that has the whatever wooden 
cage yeah, built around the glass. If you look closely in the production in production stills, you can tell it has screen, really fine mesh screen oh, okay. inside of the, of the little cage bars for it. Because it looks kind of like that cage bar is a spider could just crawl right out of there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So the screen is necessary. And, and so he takes the takes the spider and leaves the room with the you know very ominous music. And then it's kind of a rough cut. Do you guys feel that way? <laughs> yeah. The music's gotten really dramatic, and then all of a sudden it stops. It doesn't stop very smoothly, and um, and we jump right into the Bond theme right out of it, which yeah. to me is very jarring. For the exciting getting your mail sequence. Yes. <laughs> I know. <It's, laughs> no one will be it's seated. It's one of my favorite things, the flirtation though. scene at the main desk. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about Dr. No, like... They have the majority of the elements there, but they don't quite know how to use them. So it's like James Bond looks at his hotel room, like like no, no, you use that when he's like yeah. parachuting off like a waterfall. Something interesting <laughs> happens. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they definitely overuse the theme a little bit, and and Doctor No, they place it in places where they just maybe didn't have anything else. Yeah, well, right. it's, they just didn't have the score yeah. beyond that. John Barry much. said he was mortified when he saw it, kind of embarrassed <laughs> the first time he saw the movie at the premiere because he didn't know, you know, where his orchestrated Bond theme was going to be. And he said they, he felt like they just kept dropping it in in unexpected places, which is true. Yeah. You know, it's like we have this really cool song. We're going to get it into the movie four or five times so that, yeah. That feels weirdly appropriate for this movie, though, for some reason. Like that, that like they're introducing James Bond to the world, and they're laying real heavily on it, and they're all faders up on James Bond, like yeah. even to the point where like you know he gets his mail or whatever happens here, and he goes to his room, and the woman behind the counter just like gives him that look, and it's like we get it, we get mm-hmm. it. All the women are into him. Everybody wants to have sex with James Bond. We get it. Like it, it, it's it's they they lay on that so heavily in this movie. I feel like more than in other James Bond movies, but maybe not. Oh man, <laughs> well, she is the first in a long line of uh, clerks that. Yeah, but like how how like unique was was that whole thing to this movie and to this series before this like this movie came out like there have been other spy movies there have been other movies with powerful men of action who are you know sex symbols for women and everything. But like this, it feels like this is, and I could be totally wrong, but it feels like this has like a higher ratio of. of I think you're right. Of that, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like this is the guy that you've read about him in books, but this is the guy who everybody wants to have sex with, and he and he, We're gonna he has sex with seven or eight women. Yeah. Uh, during the course of the movie, yeah. I do think that it's connected, though. The DNA, and we've mentioned this before, and probably won't will mention again. It has a little DNA connection to North by Northwest, and it's a much bigger moment. But when uh, when he uh, Thornhill climbs through the woman's window, yeah, and it's obviously it's played up much more for comedy and everything, but it's the ogling, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, what does she say? She puts her glasses on and Wait, says, stop. Uh, she goes, stop, and then she goes, <laughs> yeah. stop, and he goes, ah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cary Grant's it. That's not comedy. That's Cary Grant, but it is the same kind of moment. And again, yeah. I think that's where. Uh, yeah. We might have seen it one time before in a little bit of different way, but it's the same thing. This is why, John, you and I should do a show together because I had that was the one example that I could think of from an, a non-James Bond movie right. where that exact same thing happens. Was that stop? We should yeah, do a stop. show together. Let's talk Let's, about that. Yeah. What, what, how hard could it be? <laughs> I was thinking The Big Sleep. Okay. Oh, well, oh interesting. In, in, yeah, the in The Big Sleep, like every yeah, the, yeah. Girl, the woman in the bookstore, both the daughters, which is for, you know from the book. But it is basically, with the exception of the 
clerk in the evil bookstore to keep it simple <laughs> like every woman in that film is just like oh hello oh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know? what's the difference between the clerk the evil clerk and the other woman He's play, He's playing very clearly gay to the evil clerk. Yes. <laughs> it's completely. He he is a completely different person in there. Or yeah. maybe it would have been a little mm-hmm. bit different. We could talk about the big sleep if you guys want to. But, um, <laughs> you know how Chandler and Fleming were a mutual admiration society. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Chandler yeah. reviewed Chandler reviewed yeah. every one of Fleming's books that he uh, was able to. And uh, and yeah. their interview together, if you've never yeah, heard great. it, is something worth seeking. Oh wow! Yeah, it's totally. great stuff. I can't write a book in three months. Well, you write better books than I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite things of all time. Well, what else we got? He goes, he gets the mail. Uh, the actress here's name is, um, I'll just say, Malou Pantera is her name. Ooh. Nothing much more to say. Italian actress. Not as interesting a story as our our. our uh, but Latine this was Lavoe, another one she's... of those little sets that was bashed together. Yeah. Like, they went in, they shot it, he walked through it. You only see half the room, and boom, and we're, out, we're out again. <laughs> So Mm -hmm. this brings me to what's really interesting about this hotel room. Mm. Since we have to use the hotel room more than once, what are we going to do this time to make it special and different? We're going to see it in the dark. We're going to have it Mm -hmm. lit completely differently. He's going to open the door. It's going to look like a film noir silhouette of this cool dude in the doorway. You know, and then we get that lighting change. And it's like, that's a smart move. You know, it gives gives me something new before I go back into a room where I've been before. Uh, and that's when he goes through the, the thing and checking for the missing hair and the yeah. you know, fingerprints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it entirely Every possible night. that that hair would just fall off on its own? Like, I feel no, like it's he, not the best trick. He, he puts, he Tom, puts you're saliva on not it. a spy. Yeah, he has spy saliva that, <laughs> right. um, yeah. I don't know. Q gave him a special gum to chew before he applies his hair <laughs> to the wall. Yeah, It's a classic gag, man. You just got to... <laughs> Yeah, I just got to roll with it. I kind of gagged when I saw all that spit. And the it is gross. Like, it's, it's really gross. gross. It's actually I already gross. said that once, but I'll say it again. That's gross. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Can you believe, Tom, we did seven minutes in, you know, just under an hour when <sighs> often you do one minute in just under an hour? You guys have what we lack, which is discipline. and uh, <laughs> And, you know. You're, you're good hosts, and you keep things moving, <laughs> and you got your eye on the clock and on the prize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, from what we've done on our upcoming uh, Star Trek show, man, we we spend some time talking about some episodes. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> and not the ones you expect. <laughs> Sometimes. Have, you gone over, have you gone over an hour on one? Oh, 40, I think all of them. We have yeah. doubled the yeah. length. We we have doubled the length of an episode. Now, we haven't I, uh, measured the ratio of actual discussion of the episode versus, you know, where Cops Comic Cam- Cavalcade was in Pennsylvania, that sort of thing. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it adds up. Yeah, I know we had an hour and 45-minute long episode at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. remember, it ruined, it ruined the whole – we were supposed to do two episodes, yeah. and that, was, that wasn't happening. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Did you know there was a comic store called a mock time too? Let me tell you about all the people I went to a mock time with. I think I think that's going to be a gem that everybody will appreciate. Oh, I do too. There's a lot of good W episodes like towards the end. So yeah, I'm there are. Wait oh, to yeah. get to those. Yeah, so that's. Um, so when did it's not when do you has it started? It hasn't. We're we're, we're right now. We're going to be yet. in August at some point when this is coming out. I think we'll probably be first week of 
as you're probably listening to this somewhere around the first week of August. Um, isn't that right, John? Episode six, I second week of August. Oh, have, this has, episode. Has, oh, oh, this yeah. Sorry, sorry. Probably no. will be. So you guys second third come out week yet. in August. Yeah, August. we might we might be there by then, but I don't know. Uh, we're playing. We're we're being pretty casual. Yeah, being okay. pretty casual. So this logically, is we would be, but we can't promise. How it. many episodes are in the in the original series of Star Trek? Seven, Nobody knows. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Right? Yeah. 79. But I think we're doing eighty episodes because I think we're uh, splitting up the menagerie and we're doing the cage too. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yep, there we go. Double dipping, fellas. Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm I not sure either. that's accurate. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I think we're doing the menagerie as one. We haven't gotten there yet, but I think we're doing the menagerie as one. Oh. Maybe I don't oh, know. That's that's tough. That might be a super episode. Uh, might go over an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just have to see. But you know, who knows? Maybe we are out there. Why don't you just, uh, folks, just head on over and Google ABC DTOS. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I I cannot wait to hear this. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there every episode, you guys. I'm. What what's the first A episode uh, in the children show? All our yesterdays. Oh, all our yesterdays, right? All our yesterdays. Yeah. And what's the last one? Wolf in the fold. Wolf in the fold. Wolf in the fold. Oh wow! Awesome. Yeah. Now, if you ask anything in the middle of that, we're we're, <laughs> we're somewhere <laughs> there's stuff there. But it's been a lot of fun. I think people that's will think the show's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, there there have there, we actually have at this point have already recorded all the A's, so we're already through one letter of the alphabet. Um, <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a lot more letters in the alphabet. (laughs) That's great. I don't Uh, think there's any episode that begins with Q. I think we're good. So, Tom, are you doing other podcasts? Both of you guys. What else are you guys doing other than Star Trek with John? Uh, I'm part of the Indiana Jones Minute, but we just ran out of gas, it appears, in the middle middle of Crystal Skull. (laughs) We have not abandoned (laughs) it. Metaphor. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. We uh we have not abandoned it. We are coming back with the rest of Crystal Skull. We just don't quite know exactly when yet. We're working on it behind the scenes. Um, I also do a show called The Ditch Diggers with my Caddyshack Minute and Blues Brothers Minute pals, uh, Dan Lewis and Mike DiMaria, and we have a lot of fun over there. We're basically just keeping an eye on each other during uh, coronavirus times and everything, making sure we're all sane, which is not always the case, but, uh, you know, mm. makes for some interesting chat. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what, I, what that's what I'm up to. Joe? Oh, I got nothing, man. Um, I'm doing the Star Trek thing with John and Tom and uh, Pete from Star Wars Minute. There's a nebulous Spider-Man thing I'm working on, but I have no idea how that's going to present itself right now. It's reading a lot of Spider-Man comics and taking notes on them. Nice. Which, oh, man, you want to talk about Ditko Spider-Man with me? We got another hour? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I hope you guys will come back uh, from Russia with love. Oh, I'd love when to we get to that. Yeah, definitely. I, I will go with you. I mean, first of all, I'll go with you to the end, but I will definitely go with you with every film that Peter Hunt was involved mm. with. That's kind of how we felt. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, I think we'll that's where, where we are at. once we get away from Peter Hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, the man. That's funny. Sure. This is kind of the Peter Hunt, <laughs> the Peter Hunt podcast. The way it seems so far. <laughs> so we'll see. Although I got, I have. It's tough because I really would like to get to. Live and let die, but don't really want to go through diamonds or forever. But we'll see what we we'll see what happens. I, you know, and I have a special love in my heart for a man with a golden gun, and I do think I do too. And I'm just throwing the, I'm throwing this out there, like when you get to like License to Kill, and I think The Living Daylights also qualifies. 
and also uh, you do a kill. You're finally you're getting to a point where like, all right, well now you have the same crew working on these films, but you're like 65 year old men, <laughs> and are so beyond anything that's cool. It's just it's embarrassing. Yeah. I know. Um, I know. Like, the lighting. Okay, random ninjas. How about that? <laughs> it's amazing. It's just it's a, it's incredible what what happens, and it's a miracle that there's still James Bond movies, considering how clunky it got towards yeah. before before oh, yeah. Goldeneye. I mean, it was like wow. It's I'm, just. But if we along. if we actually got all the way to a view to a kill, we could. Uh, would we be sustained by Christopher Walken? Would that sustain us? You know, I think it would sustain us for like two shows. Yeah, I think that, and then Grace <laughs> Jones for like one show. Seven minutes becomes like seventy minutes yeah. at a certain mm-hmm. point. And that's what you have to do. The Welcome to 007 by seventy. Yeah, where there each we go. Looks <laughs> right. like seventy minutes of one of the bad Bond films. Uh, on an essay I wrote for my own edification, I basically described Video Kill as as being like, wait, a porn producer got the rights to do James Bond? <laughs> like it's so. What a sleazy person thinks sophisticated is, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, everybody is in, like, gray leather with gelled hair, and they're like, why is the head of the KGB driving a Corvette? You know, like, like they're yeah. just, like, it's, you know, like, Christopher Walken would be like, I'm a criminal mastermind because I killed a man. And you're like, wait, no, that's just what you do when you're a criminal. <laughs> like, like, there's no mastermind in that. There's no irradiating Fort Knox. And not to mention the fact, as it was offset, and I'm sorry to go on in this, in Silicon Valley, they don't actually mine <laughs> silicon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just learned something new. <laughs> I, I thought that's what it was all about. Anyway. They get it all from uh, Devil in the Dark, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no right. kill I, but kill view to a kill. That's what I'm saying. You only no well, kill I twice. Wait. A view to a no kill I. It's great having you guys on the show, and uh, good luck with Star Trek. I can't wait. Oh, oh it's thank great you. to be on. Thank you so much for having me. a ball. And Tom. I'll speak for him. Thank you, Joe. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, yeah. You know, talk, we talk often, so which is a good That's thing. Right. So thanks for coming John, on. John, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, come over and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. We have some bonus episodes over there, sometimes James Bond related, sometimes commentaries for other movies. You never know what you're going to get, but it's cheap. It's only $2 an episode. So come over and check that out, and uh, we'll be back next week with another seven minutes of James Bond on 007 by 7.